0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've uh, been putting together where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my takes and observations and perspectives about what's going on in the stock market, uh, as well as also share with you some of my thought processes that I go and I've been applying, uh, that I incorporate uh, into my own personal investment decisions. The whole goal here is to hopefully for you to be able to take some, some of these ideas, some of these perspectives and concepts and be able to bring them back into your own personal circumstance and hopefully it will help you uh, be able to frame and make more successful investment decisions uh, for yourself. My name is Armin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. But the problem is when they start looking at things like investing, they freeze, they get frustrated they get uh, confused by the whole investing concept they either don't know where to start if they're new to investing or they've been investing for a long time but just just aren't getting anywhere they just feel like they're not getting anywhere with their money their money isn't growing for them so what i do as an investment coach is i teach people and i engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can improve their probabilities and chances of achieving a certain level of financial freedom of their life in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So today is a continuation from my previous episode where I'm going walking through my uh, most recent investment decisions. Uh, in the last episode I talked about some of my selling decisions and decisions involving buying more shares. Uh, in stocks that I currently own, and today I'm continuing on but now in this episode and in the next episode I want to talk about some of my decisions uh, that I made to add new stocks to my portfolio buy like add new positions to my portfolios and today I'm going to talk about the investment decision I made to buy uh, shares in big lots ticker symbol is big big and this is my second kind of foray into owning big lots. Last time I owned it was in 2011, and I bought it on a couple of occasions at that time. And I, and I did all right with it. I earned uh, about 21% and 9% returns on the stock, um, respectively, at the time. So uh, I bought it, and I made a decision uh, just re- in this past month to to buy to to get back in, and. Uh, I bought it on the day actually the market was down 720 points the dow jones was just really having a bad day and the stock itself was going down quite a bit and uh i made a decision i decided to buy some shares on it and uh as i said uh one of the things i've kind of one of my investing themes i guess that i have that i kind of want to have in my portfolio and have exposure in my portfolios is the whole retail uh, discount and uh, luxury retail um, exposure you know I, I've talked this about this quite a bit um, I think we're seeing a real polarization now in terms of our society in terms of economics and uh, social aspects in terms of how you know income is getting distribu- distributed and we're seeing it more being distributed at the, ex- at the extremes unfortunately at the expense of, of the middle class where we're seeing a, a hollowing out and a real kind of serious disruption in terms of that segment of our society. And from what I take, my take as my thesis is that as we you know, continue to become more polarized, um, I think there's going to be more demand for goods and services uh, at the extreme ends of the income scale. So on the luxury side of it people with higher incomes are going to gravitate more to the luxury brand goods and then you're going to have in the lower income side are going to be gra- graduate, gravitating to more, more uh, discounted retailer type things. You know, we think about Walmart, we think about Target, we think about Amazon are sort of the the, the big players in the discounted retailer space. But there's a lot of smaller players too that are that are carving out quite effective niches in itself. And Big Lots is, is, is one of them. Um, as I said, the stock's been falling. It was in the 60s earlier in the year. And it's at the time I started to really seriously look at it, it was down to like the mid 40s. And so it caught my attention and... I, it's a stock that I've had on my on my watch list for a long time, but I just never really felt confident enough to, to pull the trigger and, and buy buy shares into it because I just thought the pricing, the share price was just, uh, I thought it was just too pricey, too expensive. But now that the fact that it came down around the 40 level, um, low 40s, I thought, okay, you know what, maybe this might be a really good time to get in on it. But before I did that, I just, I wanted to refresh myself and do a little bit of due diligence on terms of, what the company is, what are they about, and be able to answer some questions, uh, fill in some blanks about the company, and ultimately leading me to come to a, a more uh, thoughtful, educated decision about whether I wanted to buy it. So, for those of you who've been following my podcasts and my blog uh, posts, <coughs> excuse me, I, uh, if for every stock that I, uh, that I look at or every company I look at, I always ask the same set of, of basic questions that helps me understand what the company is all about, where they operate, whether they're making money, and whether the stock is cheap. And, and I, there's these eight fundamental questions that I that I ask every time I evaluate a, uh, a stock. Uh, so basically what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk you through uh, how I answer it and explain to you and, and how I went about answering these eight questions. So the first question I always ask when I'm evaluating a company and evaluating a stock is, uh, What do they do? What do they sell? What is their value proposition? What makes this company uh, unique and just separates it from other companies out there? So, you know, in the case of Big Lots, what do they sell? What do they do? What is their business all about? Well, essentially, as I said, they're a a discounted retailer, but they're a little bit different from other retailers out there in the sense that, (coughs) excuse me, when Walmart goes out and, you know, sources, you know, um, merchandise to sell you know they go directly to uh, vendors out there to do that but Big Lots is a little bit different because they go out there's their premises is selling really cheap goods at really discounted prices and so their model is really evolved not just going to just random um, vendors out there to sell products they look for vendors who have perhaps excess inventory um, or have um, products that they have or units that they have that they uh, are discontinued they just don't sell them anymore and <clears throat> and also just looking just generally for lower price, price and so the premise being you know if a company has all this excess inventory and they want to get rid of it they're not going to you know if you can go up to them and say hey you know what i'll buy your all your surplus inventory of these products um can you give me a discount not just give me a little discount can you give me a big time discount and so um, what they do is they just go around scouring the land for opportunities to buy um, lots of uh, goods uh, that are on consignment that are being discontinued and taking them off uh, other vendors hands and then buying them at a very very low discounted price instead of paying you know full you know Wholesale price, they may be paying like, you know, 20 cents on the dollar for something So obviously if you're paying 20 cents on a dollar you can turn around and sell it for a much higher for a, for a, a Lower price, um, but still make a pretty good margin on it. And that's kind of in the, since the inception of a big loss what they've done is just go around buying stuff on a consignment and flipping it and selling it um, for a competitive price and uh and making a little bit of money on the side making some margin on the side and uh and that's what they do and it's not necessarily in terms of the types of goods that they sell it's very it's not like you're gonna find high quality brand name kind of stuff you're gonna find a lot of like no name kind of stuff um second third tier quality um kind of stuff Um, that's traditionally what they've been selling but the company has evolved over the years and now they do sell more traditional kind of uh, um, products and products and, and things they now actually have now a bit of a grocery component and a food component in, in their stores now because they've been over the while kind of overhauling their stores to incorporate refrigeration kind of refrigerators to allow them to sell frozen products uh cold based products uh you know um meat dairy meat those type of things so they are now <clears throat> have morphed into a much more, um, well, kind of well-rounded kind of traditional retailer in the sense, um, but they still, you know, followed sort of their old roots of trying to find things and selling them, and selling them at a, at a lower price and at a competitive price in the marketplace. So that's kind of what they do now second question i always ask then is okay that's great and so who do they compete who are their customers well i've kind of alluded to the fact that walmart um, target dollarama here in canada giant tiger here in canada dollar general dollar tree those are kind of your universe of discount um, retailers or you know in some cases uber discount retailers of course there's amazon and uh, because of the nature of selling the prices of goods that they're selling they're selling them at a low price the margins traditionally in this type of space are obviously are going to be um, low margin. So it's it's really much a volume driven, low margin kind of kind of industry uh, in this side of the retail world. Um, third question that I would ask, question three is who buys the products? Who goes to shop at Big Lots? And their primary demographic, if you break down the Big Lots customer, are lower income. Um, the lower income demographic, and a a demographic that's very price conscious, very uh, sensitive to to changes in their own personal living costs. Uh, These are people with lower incomes and are, you know, are very sensitive to price changes of very core staple type things. So like, you know, rent, utilities, food. Um, If there's changes, you know, because their incomes are low, any price spikes in food and their in their electrical bill is going to impact their budget and their ability to function. So they gravitate to a place like Big Lots that offers basically what they need at a lower price point, and uh, and that's that's their core customer, that's their core um, demographic, and that leads into the fourth question that I ask is, okay, these are their customers now. Are they going to go to a Big Lots and just go there once a year or are they going to go there on a weekly basis and buy things over and over again? Cuz ultimately as investors, we want to buy invest in companies that are selling goods consistently that are generating consistent recurring revenue. Because if they're not, that means there's not cash coming in and chances are they're not going to be in business for a long time. So as it pertains to Big Lots, given that their demographic is so price conscious, uh, the fact that is if they can be competitive in the types of goods that they offer in terms of pricing, and and I could see them, and what they've done, is they've done had that ability to create some loyalty from their customers and they do come in over and over and again if they know, as long as they're kind of fulfilling their value proposition of trying to help people maximize their, their dollar, they're going to come back frequently. And when we get... You know, we'll talk about some numbers in a second, but it seems like that's what they're doing right now. And they've done a pretty good job of getting people to come back into their stores over and over and over again. So they have a very reliable uh, customer base in that sense. So, so far, we've talked a little bit about kind of the background of the company, the nature of the business, and the, the environment that they operate in. Now we've got to get into some, some numbers here. And, you know, ultimately, as investors, we want to invest in, company, in great companies and great businesses that are well-run and well-managed, but ultimately also we want to r- invest in companies that are, that are making money, that are creating wealth for their shareholders and creating uh, incremental wealth and in- organic wealth for their shareholders. So the fifth question that I ask myself usually is, do they make money? So in the case of, um, of big lots, one of the key data points that I always look at for me that gives me a good size up, what in terms of whether a company is, is truly profitable and creating wealth and creating tangible wealth, is economic profit, which is simply taking the difference between a company's return on invested capital and subtracting the company's cost of capital. And if it's a positive value, that means they're creating positive economic profit. They're creating organically, they're generating wealth for their shareholder, they're creating tangible wealth. And ultimately, we want to invest in companies that are generating strong economic profit because ultimately from my experience uh, when we get down start talking about stock prices investors put premiums uh, values on companies that can generate strong economic profit so when i looked at big lots and i looked at over the last three years the return on invested capital ranged between 18 and 26 percent and when you compare it to the company's cost of capital which is about 10 percent it means the company's creating some positive economic profit, and uh, it's been doing that consistently year in, year out. It actually was on a bit of a, a run for the last few years in the sense it, it went through uh, almost like a 12-quarter streak where it was generating break-even and uh, higher profit. Um, and it was just recently snapped, and a lot of it was just a one-off um and i think that may have played into the reason why the stock has been slumping but if you look at their whole body of work this is a company that's in a a management behind it has demonstrated a a ability to consistently create wealth and that's what what i want to see as an investor now i think probably what may be turning people off also is just the quality they're focused on the quantity of the company's earnings revenue growth this is not a strong revenue growth company and it's it's not it's not a growth stock this isn't and i think you know wall street is just obsessed with growth and if you're not growing 50 60 percent a year you're a piece of garbage but the reality is long-term companies that are durable that's that will that will thrive and be very lucrative to be investing in generate strong returns on invested capital and have modest growth rates growth is not the be-all and and end-all uh of a company and uh when i look at big lots they're definitely not a growth company they're kind of a run-of-the-mill company but they they generate strong economic profit and uh, they do it consistently and as an investor that's all you want um so we took a little bit about the financial performance now let's look at about the financial position of the company and that leads to my sixth question which is what do they own and who do they owe money to and this is really all involves taking a look at the company's balance sheet and so when i look at a company's balance sheet there's a couple of areas I want to check in on, and one area that I want to check in on is the company's liquidity. Does it have enough cash flow coming in to meet its day-to-day obligations? It's not going to run out of money. Is it going to run out of money, like, you know, by next week? So, when I looked at uh, Big Lots, their current ratio, which talks, of, which is the difference, the ratio between their current assets and their current liabilities, is at about just over 1.5. So it's, you know, anything over one means the company has enough liquidity in the short term to meet their obligations. So from that perspective, it's pretty solid. Second thing I look at is debt level. How large or small is their amount of debt that they have? Because ultimately that debt can weigh you down in terms of interest costs and also weigh you down, weigh a company down from engaging in activities to to grow the business, to grow their value offering. And so Big Lots has a pretty manageable amount of debt. It comes in around their debt to equity ratio. uh, I calculated it coming in around 0.3. Which is very manageable and in terms of the other third area i look at is the quality of the company's assets does it have any like intangible assets goodwill uh, patents um, that often can kind of are really just accounting measures and one thing i don't want to see in a a company's balance sheet is a lot of their assets made up of intangible assets and so when big lots the good news with big lots is they have zero intangible assets so it's a very clean when you look at the company's balance sheet and when i look at their financial position it's very clean it's very strong it's very simple there's not a lot of complexity around the company's balance sheet and their financial position and that's perfect that's what i want to see as an investor and again as, as i said i owned this stock about seven years ago and it drew me in and a lot of the reasons that i'm talking about are kind of the reasons it drew me in back then so from that perspective really good financial position seventh question that i asked we're almost getting there is how risky is the business what out there could threaten the existence of big lots and there's a couple of things that are out there a couple of clouds out there one is their customers because their customers are very price sensitive um, in a very low income bracket Um, if the economy were to take a really dramatic you know shock or something go into a severe long-term recession um, it may be in a good position to react to it um, because it's offering a low discount cost but it might put pressure on their customers ability to buy stuff they may come into a big lots but may, they may not be able to buy as much stuff because their incomes might have shrunk because they lost their job or just been displaced because of a severe pullback in the economy so customer sensitivity is a risk and uh, and the good news though is big lots i think is very cognizant of it and they're very they've management has done a really good job over the years of just kind of managing through that and uh it really hasn't impacted them as much uh from a performance perspective second area that's a risk is you know you can't go you can't talk about retail unless you talk about amazon and so this whole online dynamic out there you know amazon's into it walmart and you know a lot of the big name retailers obviously are, are beefing up their online presence so the risk there for big lots is potentially losing business to the online side of it to the amazons to get amazon now i think what i think really caught my attention with the stock with this company is yeah yeah amazon's out there and they're you know destroying and taking out all kinds of businesses and stuff like that but i think Big Lots is in a way kind of insulated from, and it would be in, insulated from an Amazon threat because, again, their core customers are low income, don't have a lot of money, and, and a lot of, maybe not a lot of disposable income in that sense. So I would not be sure if they would be even have a consistent online ability, consistent ability to go online you know i don't know if they would ha- carry smartphones maybe they carry a smartphone but it's maybe a very with a bare bone data plan and maybe just a very bare bones cell phone that just prevents has a limited ability for them to go online and purchase goods uh, i'm wondering if in a sense big lots and especially these discount these uber discount retailers are in a way kind of insulated from an Amazon threat or the big, you know, giant retailer threat because the people that are using it need to just go into a store and buy something. They don't, they, they just don't maybe not spend any time or just can't afford to spend meaningful time uh, on, the in, on the internet looking at things, surfing things, buying things. They may be able to go check their Facebook account or something, but um, are they going out there to do grocery? I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking they may not. And, uh, so from that perspective, there's risks, I think big lock faces, but I think in a way they might be insulated from some of them. And I think management has been so on the ball in managing this company that I think they could, they could work their way through it and work their way through these type of threats from it. So we've come to the point now here, I've come to the point now where I know a little bit about the company I know about the business, I know who they compete against. I know if they're making money i know if their financial position is good in that sense they're going to be around i know what's going to th- could threaten the, the viability of the business and right now so far it's all i'm ticking check boxes and it's, it's looking good the story of big lots today versus the story i read about big lots seven years ago is very much intact it seems like it's still a solid well performing business but at the end of the day we're investors and I want to buy the stock, if I want to buy the stock, I want to buy it at a good price. So it leads to my last question that I always ask, and I always save it at the end, because you can analyze a company and say, hey, this is really great, but if the stock price is really high and excessive and expensive, then it may not be a great investment. Um, So in the sense of big lots, as I said, the stock was trading in the 60s in January, and it's been kind of falling, and it was down to almost 40 bucks in march when i started to look at it again and so i started looking at it from a relative valuation perspective and if you look at the company in terms of uh, forward p e ratios forward price earning ratio it's coming in around 9.5 and uh, which is very very low compared to other uh, retailers in the same space so from a relative perspective it's cheaper compared to other um, discount retailer stocks that are out there Second era perspective I looked at in terms of valuation was like looking at cash flow evaluation and looking at intrinsic value. What's the stock worth right, from an intrinsic per- value perspective on a conservative basis? Um, so the analysis that I've seen, the models that I've seen out there value the company between $41 and $60 per share. So it's kind of in that 40, 50, you know, mid-50s, like I would put it maybe in the 50s, high 50s kind of range. That's kind of where I look at the valuation at it and right as I said right now the stock when I started to look at it, was trading in the low 40s and uh, so when I look at it from a relative perspective and from an intrinsic value perspective the stock looks cheap it looks like it's on sale it's been falling because um, the revenues and the earnings have not come in according to what the analysts would like to, to see but again Analysts have a very warped and very tunnel vision view of the world and uh, have, don't have context in play. And So when I look at it, this is a really good, I, it seems like it's a really well-learned business. Generates products that people want and services people want. It's, generates tan, it's been generating tangible economic profit. It's got a rock-solid balance sheet. And from a valuation perspective, it looks cheap. And so when I look, put all those elements together and then I layered on top of, okay, let's look at the economic environment right now. And it looks like, you know, if interest rates keep creeping up, if, you know, we're talking about a yield curves going getting flatter, which often signal economic slowdowns. If the economy is going to slow down down the road, um, companies like big lots and discount retailers are probably going to be more in demand and are probably going to see more traffic uh, because... Of the value proposition of the price uh, competitiveness that they have so when i took all of these elements together it kind of jumped out at me that you know what this is a stock i think i'm comfortable with buying in right now or just opening up and buying a small position and that's what i did so i ended up buying the stock at 42 dollars, and the stock's pretty much done you know nothing really since i bought it but if the stock were to fall further and get into the 30s or um, I would probably go in and buy some more actually I had to check that I think I bought it in at $44 and I think the stock is right now 42 something so if it were to fall back to 40 or even under under 40 I'd probably buy more shares because to lower my cost base because I just think yeah this seems like a really well run business that's selling at a discount and you know over a period of time I'm comfortable holding the stock over a period of time, and you know at some point I think it'll bounce back and probably get up to the 50s. And if it does, that's a pretty good return on the investment from my part. So ultimately, that was my decision. Um, that's my thought process that went into my decision to buying big lots. Um, if you go on my website sageinvestors.ca, I actually have a write-up of all this, so you can actually you know if you want to read up on what I did and what my thought process was, you can go to the website. And also I did a mind map video where I kind of scratch out on a whiteboard answering these questions, taking these questions that I've I've answered and writing them all out. So you can kind of get a little bit of a visual of how I came up to that decision. Love to know what you think. If you have any questions, you can drop me a line through my website, um, www.sageinvestors.ca. You can hit me through an email there. You can hit me through Twitter. I'm on there all the time. sharing content sharing different um, investing perspectives and ideas Um, it's it's my go-to source for investing information so if you want to go on there you can you can check me out on there and follow me Um, can follow me on Facebook Uh, my handle there is sage investors I have my Facebook page there lots of more information I have there and then finally uh, I've been dabbling a little bit in Instagram Uh, I do these kind of one-off little quick quick hit video takes on uh what's going on the market during that day so if you you want if you're into that you can just follow me on instagram my handle is uh sage investors nation so and also i can't can't forget to uh remind you that all my podcasts are on itunes you can go on itunes and subscribe there or you can go to the website sageinvestors.ca you can find all my podcasts there so sign up follow download uh, feel free to leave some comments love to hear from you on how i'm doing how we're doing if you find this really cool and and beneficial to you yeah i think that's all i got for you um, for this episode thank you very much again for listening in this has been another episode of stock talk my name is amin reyna of sage investors and we'll catch you again another time take care bye bye